0: Welcome back to the Conversational Marketing Podcast. So today we had the privilege of speaking with Kristen Bryant from the Wistia team. And we sat down with her to talk about Wistia's new marketing series called Brandwagon, but also how companies can use video and why and how Wistia thinks differently about their marketing funnels when video is involved, especially with episodic content.
1: We really wanted to dig into this because that's what we think is really the crux of the shift in how we market and sell today. You have to switch your mindset from the traditional way of thinking about marketing, but it's not easy. So you guys are in
0: for a real treat because Kristen's so cool. Yeah, she's really going to share some super actionable tips and insights. So let's just hop right into it. Welcome to the Conversational Marketing Podcast. We're back. And today we have Kristen from Wistia, and we're so excited to talk to her a little bit more about Brandwagon, the new series that she's been producing for Wistia, and how they approach video in marketing. So Kristen, yeah, can you give us a little bit more information, like just an intro?
2: Absolutely. So my name is Kristen Bryant. I work at Wistia in partnerships and production. Wistia is a software company that helps businesses grow with video. So whether you're a marketer who wants to put video on your website or you're producing your own episodic series, we create the tools to distribute and analyze how your videos are performing. Particularly for me and my role at Wistia, part of what I'm doing is working on partnerships. So that's thinking about all the people who have values or strategic initiatives that align with Wistia, whether that's via their product or through narrative things like blogs and co-marketing and also guests on our shows, which we'll definitely get into more. And then on the production side I've been helping out with the original series Brandwagon which is a talk show for marketers.
1: That's awesome. We at Drift have a Slack channel and we put a bunch of marketing emails and videos and the all different kinds of things that we admire and Wistia pops up in there all, all the time. The time.
0: Stop it, maybe blush. it was <laughs> literally on Monday or Tuesday when we got the new Brandwagon email. One of our product marketers was like, Wistia makes HTML emails cool.
2: I'm going to pass it on to my (laughs) team as soon as I get back.
0: Let's just jump into the Brandwagon series and kind of talk more about that. And so when we watched it, we were really surprised and pleasantly surprised to watch these videos and feel like we were watching like a YouTube video that we watched for entertainment, not like a B2B marketing video. And I think that that's something that Wistia does really well. How did you decide to position this series like that?
2: Yeah. So last year, we did a show that was called 110-100, and Mm -hmm. it was a documentary series where we took a budget of $100,000, $10,000, and $1,000 to make an ad for our product, Soapbox. And we worked with Sandwich Video, who's out in LA. They do huge commercials, and they're one of the most preeminent video agencies. And we basically tasked them with making an ad for us, and we documented the whole thing And then we ran A-B test and basically tried to figure out which ad performed the best. And so as part of that project, which was really about, you can't really put a budget on creativity. That was the point of the show. We just learned a lot about the type of content that you can make that is, to your point, more entertaining and less product focused. We had these questions about whether or not that would resonate with our audience and whether or not people want to see that type of content from Wistia. And we were kind of blown away by the response that we received, but how deeply this resonated with people. So this was people who would maybe watch an episode and then they would be reaching out to us on Twitter and telling us like, wow, I can't believe like all this gear that you used," or that was a really helpful breakdown. Or, you know, everyone wanted to know before we revealed which ad actually performed the best, whether or not it really was the most expensive one, Mm -hmm. because the majority of the people who are customers and the people who are following along our blog post and social, they're people who are at small to medium-sized businesses who don't have you know the ad budget of a Coca-Cola or a Nike mm-hmm. or someone like that, right? And so all of us, when we're scrappy and frugal, are thinking about how to best use marketing budget. So how we obviously used $111,000 was to you know kind of get in the door to make this series and make this documentary. And we learned a ton from it and then started thinking about other ways to make this type of episodic content. And Brainwagon was born. So it's kind of the brainchild of our creative director, Dan Mills, and our head of production, Chris Levine. The two of them have been running video at Wissia for a very long time. And they had this crazy idea to think about a talk show that would be hosted by our CEO. And that's kind of what came together. So I like to tell people it's if how I built this and mm-hmm. The Tonight Show had a baby, Brainwagon would be
1: that child. I love that. That's also, so cool. <laughs> I have to give... Major props to whoever came up with the name because that is such a huge thing that you learn from day 1 in branding is what would your company be if it was a car? Yeah. I just think that's so clever. I love that.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. It was funny. I was talking to my mom earlier this week and she was like, I just love that part of the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm Southern. And so <laughs> like, this is like my mom impersonation is like a very thick Southern accent because she has one. And she's just like, I just love that part where they're trying to figure out what type of car you are. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's quite good.
0: I think it's cool also because I kind of think about what you've been doing with your original series, kind of like what Netflix is doing, because Netflix is technically a tech company. But they're not. They're an entertainment company. And I feel like Wistia is kind of doing that for B2B. To bring this kind of less fun topic back in, of just like, how do you measure this?
2: Yeah, like, I want to comment on a couple of things there. One with the Netflix analogy. I think it's really interesting what Netflix is doing, because their product, they have two products, right? Mm-hmm. They have the platform and the app and yeah. a huge team of people that's like making sure that Our viewing experience Mm -hmm. and navigation experience and the algorithms all work. But then there's a totally different team that's responsible for producing Netflix original series Mm -hmm. and the content there. And most of their marketing is not about, hey, this is the best viewing experience you're going to have. Right. It's about the content. It's about Mm -hmm. what movies and shows are now available. And some of those they've made, but most of them they've acquired. And so that kind of difference between marketing the best tech versus the best content is I think the takeaway you yeah. know for small to medium sized businesses yeah. and particularly for like people in SaaS like us. Yeah. And I think specifically how you measure that is different because the conversion metrics that you look at if you're marketing a product are that someone actually bought and is maybe deeply adopted or eventually renews if you're in like a subscription like world as we are, mm-hmm. right? And that's a product metric. But how you have to measure the success of content is totally different because sure. It's basically laying the foundation to get people into the product funnel. And that timeline is much different. So I try to be upfront with people about, you know, the timeline for which this would actually convert into money. It's not a short game, right? Right. But that's why the funnel serves a place. Yeah. And I like to think about this as things that happen before the funnel or beyond the funnel, because you have to get people in the door and generate a level of awareness and people bought into the credibility and kind of love for your brand in a way before they're even ready to be on that outreach list or come to your page and interact with your, you know, drift uh, (laughs) (laughs) bot that's on the bottom there, right?
1: (laughs) You spoke about people and how they were interacting and that sort of top of funnel traffic and all of that coming and watching this and getting deeper knowledge about Wistia as well as just being entertained. But how have people reacted to Brandwagon and has it started conversations with buyers, with customers, all of that kind of stuff?
2: So, my favorite reaction that I'd seen, and a lot of this is, you know, our social media coordinator will, mm-hmm. you know, pull some mentions yeah. that we have and share them in our company Slack channel. And one of my favorites that she pulled was wisey wasn't even on my radar before, but now I'm so excited. That's right. So then it kind of like threaded and she was like, Thank you and she basically said that she was maybe a free user on the product already, but she just hadn't really tuned in or kinda or maybe in fact had tuned out all of our regular marketing cadence, but now we've presented her with content that she's interested in Mm. and so she's re-engaged with our brand in a way that she wouldn't have previously, right?
0: Cut through the noise. And
2: so I think that that is a really positive outcome in terms of actual conversions, I think time will tell. Yeah. You know, part of what we've learned from the guests that we've had on Brainwagon even is how this approach to, you know, creating shows and episodic content has impacted their businesses. And what we heard from like Mark DiCrescino, who's the head of brand at MailChimp, he was on the first episode of Brandwagon. And he talked about like lifetime customer value that people, after they've engaged with this kind of content for them, they've come back, they've basically like paid them faster mm-hmm. and paid them more, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we haven't seen that yet, to my knowledge, but we have faith that this is going to be worth it. And I think. If people like you, they're going to stick with you longer. If people feel like they know who they're buying from, they're going to stick with you longer. And for us, this show, I think, represents our brand really well and is very authentic to who we are. Mm
1: -hmm. I love that you keep bringing up like episodic content. I think that's what we're all used to now Mm -hmm. as people who are in this Internet age. And we watch Netflix and even YouTube is longer form now where we're watching 15 minute videos or 20 minute videos on the internet. And I think it's awesome that B2B is coming into this space and meeting
0: us where we are as humans, not just as buyers. Right. Yeah, And we see that then fit into our quote unquote like B2B funnels where we're seeing people who want to be customers longer, who want to pay us faster because they feel like they're more connected to our brands. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really hard to understand like how that fits into a funnel and how I can put that into a report and see the exact conversion of it. But I think that we have what conversational marketing is like about and how video plays into this and messaging plays into this is it's not about us anymore. It's about our buyers and how they feel about us. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And I think when I started at Wistia two years ago, a lot of the conversation about video was really about it being a more effective communication tool. And I think to your point about, you know, how long should a video be or that sort of thing, if you're talking about your product, nobody wants to hear you like drone on unless they're like, you know, trying to look at a support video and like get a tutorial, right? Like, but for the majority of the types of videos that we see out in the world on people's websites, it's like, hey, I'm company X and I sell product Y and you should care about this, right? And no one cares longer than like a minute about that, right? And I think that you have to pull back and say, well, what can I offer you as a human, not you as the buyer? When you're thinking about this kind of longer form content, because if you don't, you know, you're just droning on about who you are as a company. And it's Mm -hmm. very, it's almost narcissistic that you think that you, that I care enough about your product to, you know, watch a video of you talking about it for 25 minutes. Like, I don't (laughs) care.
0: For companies who understand the value of, like, adding video to marketing, but they are scared to go on video, they don't think that they have the budget, they don't think that they have, like, they don't think that iPhone selfie video is, like, on brand for them. Like, what would you say to people who don't want to be on video, but know that they need to, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I would just remind people that no one is born with it. I think that some people are inherently more comfortable, like don't feel like it's as risky to put themselves on camera. I may or may not be one of them, <laughs> but it is a learned skill. It is something you can learn. And at the end of the day, all of us are just professionals. We are not actors. And so I think that a lot of times people try to compare themselves to what some professional person who is paid to be on camera, mm-hmm. right? Like you are not Kathy Lee and Hoda. Like we are not...
0: Hosting the Today <laughs> Show, right? Like, that is not why I
2: am paid. Like, if I was Beyonce, I would look like Beyonce. Like, I would have to. That would yeah. that. be inherent to my success. Being good on camera is not inherent to your success as a, like, person who's a marketer at a SaaS company. However, you can. there are some simple things that you can do to train yourself to be a better on camera. And they're not unlike the skills you can train yourself to be a better public speaker, right? And so it is a skill that I think people just have to be willing to work on Mm. and get more comfortable by exposure, right? So if that's a lot of doing more of one-to-one videos or, you know, leveraging a tool like Soapbox or doing Drift video or whatever it might be, like, I think you have to put yourself in front of people, maybe even doing it internally at first so that you know that it's a lower risk. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other part of it too is just having more of a stomach for authentic conversations and casual conversations, I think, is where business is going. Mm -hmm. This stuffiness of very scripted, I don't make mistakes. That robotic nature of business, I think, is a way of the past. And so I think as people become more comfortable recognizing that if this was a closed door office and we were just around a table and there were no lights, cameras, or microphones, I would probably sound the same. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not and we're just publishing this. Like, I think that if people start thinking about it more in that way, as opposed to like, all of a sudden I'm going to be burned into the internet, <laughs> like psyche for the rest of the world to yeah. see forever, and this video is going to haunt me. That is literally something we've heard from customers. Oh, of like, no. I don't want to be on the like. I this is going to last forever. Someone could. Um, <laughs> I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. We, we are natural humans. We stutter. We have to take deep breaths. We say um sometimes, and. Any of that stuff only gets better if you practice and if you just kind of commit to it. So I would encourage people to commit to it. Think about ways that you can maybe lower your risk or the riskiness that you Mm -hmm. feel for it, like sending it to your colleagues or just sending it to one person.
1: I think that's in some ways why in B2B marketing, there is a very clear formula or structure to how people go about doing video yeah. I think that you see a lot of videos that follow you know kind of a, a jingle in the background with maybe a narrator and a few animations, animations that pop up and it's great and it works for some people if that's what your brand looks like but yeah. I think there's a way to make that more real and more authentic and I think that's where buyers are now going to. That's what they're attracted to.
2: You know, this is like a perennial conversation that I have with my colleagues is bad video worse than no video. That Ooh, is like a that's very a good, controversial yeah. thing, right? But I think that bad video is better than no video because it, it expresses a willingness to try to engage with your audience through video that I appreciate. Right? I think
0: the cool thing is also that videos, if it's bad, it's going to spark up a conversation. And then you've already done the thing that the video was supposed to do anyway, which is get them to talk to you. And,
2: yes. <laughs> and I also think that a lot of people rely on that because mm-hmm. of resource constraints. So they're trying to prove out that a video can lead mm-hmm. to conversions in a way that we believe that videos can lead to conversions already, but they don't have enough people or any cameras or any gear to get started so they use the resources at their disposal, right? And so I do appreciate that from like a, if that's what you need to do to test and to like make the case for yourself, you should do it. But what I would encourage is the same amount of budget is like basically buy a tripod and put your iPhone on that tripod because they make adapters to just put an iPhone on a tripod that will make a video less shaky, right? Face a window and like talk to your colleague. Yep.
1: Sarah and I made a video just talking about the podcast. Hi, I'm new to video. <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't done it a lot before. I had to really get my shoulders down, feel better. And me and Sarah were recording this video and we were being so silly. It was the end of the day. We didn't have any sort of script. It was very, Sarah just kind of came up to me with an iPhone and was like, let's, say some words. And I said, okay. And we just kept laughing and laughing. And that's what people responded to. Yeah. Yeah. People told, We had so many comments on that video. And someone came up to me in the office the next day and said, you guys were laughing and having so much fun. And I was laughing and having so much fun watching it. I mean, I think it just,
2: again, reflects if you're doing well at your company and that's part of your company culture and people see that. And then they're like, oh, don't take themselves too seriously. Like they know what they're doing and they want to talk to me and like make me better at my job. I want to listen, right? mm -hmm. And I think that that is a very important part to how we think about videos is putting the people who work, like every Wistia video, the cast is people that work at Wistia, right? And we don't, that's not a screening question we ask right in our interviews for any position. It's like, "How are you on camera?" <laughs> you know, like, "Are you comfortable reading lines?" Like, that's not how we interview people, right? You're people
0: interviewing people. You're exactly. Like,
2: right. Exactly. Just I just think that we as humans respond to other humans much more than we respond to like screen shares, mm-hmm, right? Totally. <laughs> so totally. I would just say use your people as much as you can. And don't think that it has to be marketers, right? Like mm-hmm, there yeah. might be some really great people on the sales team or on customer support or all in operations. Are exactly. like so like, personal.
0: We get them on camera all the time the, for our launches. Like we get the PM on camera. Just like tell us about the thing that your team built. We want to hear your yes, story. A hundred percent.
2: It's funny because part of producing Brandwagon has been for me a lot of What I contribute is more on like the production management scheduling, like getting interviews and pitching them to be a guest on the show. But I also on days that we're shooting with the studio audience in the segments where he's kind of like providing the intro and outro to the interviews, we have a studio audience, Mm -hmm. which is all of our colleagues, right? Which is me sending a Google invite out to a group of people and saying, like, can you please just sit here? You can bring your computers. We'll tell you when you can put them down, right? Oh, I saw Uh, you in the first
1: episode. Oh, thank you. (laughs)
2: But I think that, like, just knowing that there are more people in the company that are involved in this production and they can feel more bought in. It's, like, more of a reason why they would want to promote the episode where they're in the studio audience, yeah. right? And it doesn't take that much, but it makes me feel like I'm a casting director, right? Because I'm just, like,
0: bringing these people into the show, right? Like, what's a video you've seen in the last year where you've been like, Dan, that was a good video. It doesn't have to be B2B, but if it was, we wouldn't be mad about it.
1: Oh, no. I can tell you mine. Okay. During the Super Bowl, which is my favorite time of the year, not because of the football but because of the mm-hmm. halftime performances and because of the ads mhm <laughs> expensify with, did with two chains with two chains yep. i loved that and i watched it the other day just because it came across my youtube and <laughs> i was like i am watching an expensify ad right now but i loved it it was two chains and it was fun i don't know no. that i've watched a video of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just, Recently. I think it's funny because it's all consumer packaged good brands like for yeah. Super Bowl ads. And then there's B2B like expensing software, which is something that no one ever wants to do. Like nobody yeah. likes expensing things. They're just like, why can't I put this on a company card or whatever? And Expensewise out here with 2 chains talking about expensing his like... <laughs> Not an ad, though. And Not an ad, just just a fan.
2: <laughs> but they also made a contest out of it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, if you were spent, like, yeah. it was a whole campaign. Yeah. Right? It was super cool. That
0: like ROI, guys. ROI. That's right. all of uh, videos.
2: Okay. I'm sorry, I don't have an answer to that one. That's okay, that's okay. I'll be think a brandwagon video if you want. It yeah. is a brandwagon video. Oh, has it been videos? released yet? Yes. Well, actually, mm, I don't know. <laughs> people, people, I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> All of Brandwagon episode two.
1: Okay, Hi. we have some special questions for you. Okay. This is a lightning round. We okay. ask them to all of our guests.
2: This is Wait, a- the same questions. The same no, questions. All of your guests. Yeah. Okay. You've gotta be on
1: your feet.
0: What comes to mind first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. What makes you you and how do you bring that into your job every day? Ooh. My superpower?
2: Yeah. I, oh, I don't know if it's a superpower, but the first thing that came to mind was the fact that I am Southern.
0: and Southern and Boston is Southern two Boston, different personalities. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can't tell you two places that are less alike mm-hmm. than Boston and Augusta, Georgia, where I'm from. <laughs> so I think that, though, how that plays out in my job is that a lot of doing what I'm doing in terms of guest recruitment and partnerships in general, Is really about how you make people feel and how you make people feel at home, no matter Mm -hmm. where they are. And so welcoming people into the Wistia office and making sure they have a great experience with us, both as people and also as our brand, regardless of how you interact with us. That, I think, relies on my Southern sensibilities.
1: I love that. Like and me. I would totally agree. Super welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, what's one tool, personal or professional, that you cannot live without?
2: I'd have to say a corkscrew. Oh, oh.
1: tell us more.
2: Well, I think that corkscrews are crucial to opening wine. If you've <laughs> ever tried true. to open a bottle of wine without a corkscrew. It's a bummer. It really is dangerous, yeah. actually. It's possible. I've done it. Do you uh, go shoe? Um, no, it was more. That was of a, a viral video. It was a nail and set of pliers. Oh wow! <laughs> it, was,
0: <laughs> it was dangerous. Just
2: It happened though, right? But I think that it corkscrew is unique in that, like, you can't really replace it, right? Mm-hmm. You either need a corkscrew or you don't, or you're like thinking about different designs of a corkscrew. But it is inherently like
1: still a way that you need to open wine. I so like definitely a corkscrew.
0: That's so fun.
1: That's. Probably one of the best answers we've gotten so far. Yes. Oh, thank you.
2: <laughs> Honestly, like, I guess if I didn't have a corkscrew, I could live without it only because I could probably still
0: drink champagne. Mm-hmm. So. Like, champagne thrills. only. Yeah, champagne, champagne only. only. <laughs> like, okay, if I have to. What's your favorite conversation starter? Like, party or trade show or, like, networking event? Like, mm. what do you... I... I think that the
2: best way to get meaningful conversations is really about like getting to the crux of like what people are passionate about and like whatever makes them comfortable, like whatever is going to get them to open up. And I think that probably varies by person. Like if it's asking them about like where they're from or like where they work now or like if. We have people that are in the office that are from Boston. I often ask like how long you've been in Boston because I found that people never leave. (laughs) So I think that like anything that is like dependent on the situation where you're in that you're going to like kind of get to who the person is, is going to make them more comfortable and it's going to enable you to kind of listen more and learn more about them in a meaningful way. Cool.
1: And B2C, B2B or otherwise, when was the last time you had a flawless buying experience?
2: Flawless buying experience. I have one that was the worst buying experience I've ever had, but okay, I don't want to. I don't want to bash people. I just got scammed from an Instagram at oh, first. So like, that's tough.
0: that will get you. That
2: really hits you hard. I've always had a flawless buying experience at Flower Bakery. Ooh, Ooh. huge Joanne Chang fan. Mm-hmm. Big, big fan. There is a flower that's located around the corner from the Wistia office. Same with Marston. Exactly yeah. right, and. I think that like yesterday I was talking to one of the guys about the lemon thyme lavender bars that they have, which is like a seasonal pastry right now. And not only did he like tell me about what the flavors were and like describe the product very, very well. Right. He also then told me the story about how like they actually like ran out the day before because they were broken. Like one of them was broken and like they had to toss it. So like, obviously he ate it, but he was saying that they operate under this, Thing of like the mom rule where it's like if you wouldn't serve it to your mom then you shouldn't serve it to a customer and so like they weren't going to serve you a broken lemon thyme lavender bar uh, they had to take that like away from yeah. their bakery case and they just have a beautiful display yeah like, their staff is always so knowledgeable and helpful and so I just feel like every time it's a seamless experience. And they have like an order ahead app too, mm-hmm. which is very dangerous. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. like I shouldn't be able to order chocolate chip cookies on demand,
0: but, <laughs> but you can, but I can Cause it's 2019.
2: <laughs> exactly. Detailed, so I'm just like a wow. big fan of like both the product and the brand of flour and I just feel like they deliver on that experience every single time.
1: Great oh. brand, great customer service, great and pastries.
2: Uh, I'm hungry
0: now. We were going to go get flour sandwiches for lunch today.
2: Mm, little pie. Oh mm. my gosh. Chocolate cookies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what it's else happening. do I like
2: there? Parmesan time but really the croissants. Ooh. Actually, Joanne Chang came to Wistia, like, a whiskey event to talk about like <laughs> It was too much. It was really too much. I was like overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed when I met her. And someone asked her the question, what is your favorite pastry to make? Mm-hmm. And the way that she described croissants, and she was like, I really love croissant. And she said croissant oh. every single time. And she That's was, like
0: respect.
2: It was like too much. But she basically was saying that There was something soothing both about the process that you have to follow. It's a lot of folding. a lot of of repetition, right? And she also talked about then the satisfaction that you get when you break into a croissant and that it's really flaky and it has a perfect honeycomb inside of it. I listened to her say this and I said, my life goal is to talk about something the way that Joanne Chain talks about croissant. 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 (laughs) I'm saying like, (laughs) It was just like, I got chills when she was talking about like the buttery plate and I just, my mouth was watering and I was like, this is what life is meant to be is when you find your croissant." That when is, you
0: find your croissant, that's what waves, <laughs> waves, I just for. The, I had an aggressive table slot there. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just were feeling it. It's okay. That
1: is amazing life <laughs> advice. And I think on that note, we have to thank you so, so much. much for talking with us today. Absolutely. I, I learned a lot and I learned that I need to find what my croissant is. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's bots. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably bots. I love bots. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Awesome. This is
1: great. I'm so sorry to cut you off there. I know Kristen has incredible things to say, but we ended up talking to Kristen for a long time and we just couldn't squeeze it all into this one episode. So if you want to see the rest of the episode, you can go to drift.com slash insider and hear all of the goodness that Kristen
0: has to say. So make sure to head over to Drift Insider. Remember, it's Drift.com/insider. Create that free account and watch the rest of the episode. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Yeah.